Welcome everyone to the Unfiltered Podcast. Lee Stevenson here, Executive Director of Church Planning with Converge, local church planter in Orlando. I'm Danny Parmalee. I oversee church planning for Converge Mid-America and Southeast, and we are recording from the Nashville studio, and we are going to start off by having Taylor Swift uh, lead us in some worship. So go ahead, Taylor. Oh man, she just canceled. Uh, That's what I hear she kind of does usually, (laughs) so at least we're not high enough on the list, so I don't want to get sued by by her. Yeah, she is in the neighborhood, but I've never seen her. Yeah, yeah. Maybe one of these days. One of these days. And anyhow, um, part of our conversation today is just that next step for any church plant where I know as a young church planter, like the next step, I wanted to get out of a portable situation and get the most permanent kind of situation I possibly could. Whether or not that was a long-term lease situation based on your context, like if you're in a more urban area, that may be your reality. Um, or eventually getting property with the idea of building a building, like which I love because that creates a level of like we're stakeholders in the community and people see you as being a part of the community long-term. So I do think that there is a power if available to be able to get into that more kind of permanent property. But um, there are things that churches and church planners need to watch out for um, along the way, because you can kind of get yourself in, in, in trouble. And so the first question I'll just pose to you, Danny, when do you think a church planner is actually ready either to sign a long-term lease situation or buy that piece of property? Yeah, um, I think that's a hard question to answer, again, because of how circumstantial each uh, different thing is. And I would maybe go back, as you say, it's the next step. I think that almost every church planner dreams of the day before they ever even start of when they get into the building. And so I think there's kind of a split. What I would say is that you should be planning for that from day one but at the same time, not actually make that your goal. So there's a little bit of a, your idol. Don't make that your idol. Um, you know, there, so there's that tension where I'm going to tell a church planner, you need to be thinking of that because it's going to change even how you're looking at opportunities, how you're even making decisions, but you don't want it clouded to be, well, we can't do this because by this date, we're going to have a building or or this is the building. So other church planners, they fall in love with some you know, I, I had a, there was an abandoned low was that from day one, I'm like, that's it. God spoke to me. We're getting that. I mean, we would do prayer walks around that thing. I would envision, I would, I would hire architects to, you know, put a, put a little sign, you know, vision board type of thing. We never got the building. Okay. So to this day, who knows, maybe God, I think, I think it's still empty. It's been empty for like 10 wow. years, but, um, but anyways, I think there is a little bit of a, of a danger of, of doing that, but to not say, it doesn't matter at all because you and I both know that while the church is the people, it's not a building exactly what you said, what it communicates even to non-believers about being rooted in the community, security, just all of those different things, uh, a building can be an absolute uh, huge tool. So this is where I would say if you, you asked a question like the when, get a lot of counsel on this. Um, when you get to that point um, and get it not from your launch team that is sick of setting up chairs because they're just getting they've done it for four months. Yeah. 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 Uh, or even even if you've been doing it for many, many years, you can just be so clouded by the it's like we just got to get out of here. We just have to do this. Everyone is uh, is, is sick of doing it because there's going to be some things where, again, where it makes sense, uh, where it's healthy for you. And it may even be a risk but there's still a calculated risk. It's not 
It's definitely not going to solve your problem. So maybe I could say that, that don't do it if you think it's going to solve any of the problems that you have, problems with leadership, problems with attrition of people. Um, it's it's not going to solve the problems. It's actually just going to change and give you a new set of problems. problems and, yeah. In a way, because all of a sudden you attract a whole nother herd of people too. Yeah. Um, that can become problematic. Um, yeah. Kind of those church people that are just waiting for you to, oh, they made it. Okay, now yeah. now we're going to come here and bring our problems with us into this situation. Let alone, like, um, I think one of the things that oftentimes pastors, they don't calculate the actual cost of owning their own property. Right. Um, you know, when it comes to cleaning, um, how are we going to structure just the cleaning process, let alone pay? Uh, are we going to hire it out? and hire a contractor or are we going to have our own staff yeah. i mean down to the cleaning supplies to keep in toilet paper on yeah. oh i was janitor for a while yeah 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 i mean you, you <laughs> and lead pastor at the same you, time you so. know what you got to do it at times um but even to think through hvacs you know i think we had to replace within the first three months of being on our property like four hvac systems yeah um that's significant cost um and so sometimes you can get so focused in on Man, I just got to get there that you yeah. overlook. Well, it says in the lease, we actually have to replace yeah. an HVAC system. Yeah. You know, well, the landlord just won. Right. You know, those those situations. So my, my biggest recommendation, too, to pastors is unless you have a lot of experience in real estate, you're not an expert. Mm-hmm. And so find the experts that live in this area because most landlords mm-hmm. um, or people that are going to be selling property, whether or not it's land or land with a building or something of that sort, they've been in this side of the world a long time and they're professionals at this. They know what to do and they they have a different level of boldness to try to win the deal. Yeah. And and so they're removed emotionally. They don't care about you as a church from that standpoint. They really care more about the dollar. Um, and so it's a rare thing if you find an owner that's selling you because they really want you yeah. as a church to have. Oh, they'll them. say that though, just so you know. Because oh, I, I hear it from church. Oh, but they this guy said that you know he believes in our mission. I'm like, if he believes in the mission, then that'll be reflected in the price. Tell him to give it to you for free. Yep. You know. Yep. So and I've seen so many churches and pastors mm-hmm. take him. Mm-hmm. Um, because they they knew that the pastor was clouded and didn't know this area. And so they'll work yeah. things into the contract that you yeah. have no idea were yeah. there until it becomes problematic yeah. later on. So let me give a couple uh, very practical things to go back uh, to your original question of the win. So when I say start from the very beginning, there's two things. One is, is that you should have a savings plan built into your budget from day one. So I would even say that if you put 10% away, um, first of all, you're kind of just building up your emergency fund, which we called our boiler fund because our boiler did go out. It was 30 grand and we yep. were a little young church. It's like, oh my goodness, thank goodness we had that emergency fund. But you're building up that emergency fund from the very beginning, but you're also going to have cash reserves so that when property does come up, whether it's lease or own, because even if it's lease, there's going to be build out and all those types of things, that you're even a player that they'll even look at you. Because if you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to do a quick capital campaign. Nope. Cash is what talks. You need to be able to show that you've got reserves to be able to do it and reserves that once you buy it, that you'd be able to handle some, you know, some sort of fix or catastrophe uh, type of thing um, happen. The other thing goes to what you said as far as a professional is in the beginning, just even as you're networking in the community, it's okay as you meet realtors say, hey, you know, someday 
we're, we, we hope to get into building. So if you ever see something that you think might work for us, come and let us know because there's lots of real estate that exchanges hands before it ever hits on the open market for whatever reason where people want to explore selling things before it's you know kind of a public thing or they um, it doesn't look good for them to have vacancy. So if they can get some sort of transition plan where it's rental space, someone moves out and you move in and they never have to you know put it up as, as far as a rental space. So just as you network and it's not like you're finding one realtor that they're now your buyer's agent, eventually you'll get to that place. But in the beginning that you're always telling everybody, hey, if you ever hear of things, and this is also how properties get donated for free. So I've been part of those, uh, even even Epicos uh, recently, they were, maybe it wasn't given, maybe it wasn't gifted, but it, it might've been, it actually might've been been gifted. Was it? I think, I, it was. So I think it was, yeah. They had a gifted in the church plant that I'm a part of right now, the building got gifted to them from another church uh, that was, um, you know, uh, going, going under or kind of changing and in, in transitioning. Another one in Seattle, this was like a multi-million dollar building that got you know handed over to a church planner. So the more that people kind of know and you're kind of making those kind of you know things of hey someday, then people will come and contact you. And at the same time, you're always just looking, even when you're driving around to pick up your kids from and I would say praying center. too. And praying. Gosh, you always have to give the Jesus juke yeah. spiritual answer Lee. Thanks. <laughs> well our our building back in Arizona from our first church plant, um I prayed for that for a couple of years, I, I drive by and just say, God, if that ever comes available, we want, we would love to have that. And a couple of years later, God yeah. answered that very prayer. Yeah. Um, but it was interesting, even in our conversations, because we moved in as a tenant and we, we leased a space for about 14 months. And then eventually I was able to convince the owner to sell us the property. Yeah. Um, but when we were negotiating the lease and even the sale, they brought this guy in that was their lead negotiator. And he was a businessman, owned 40 properties around the United States. I mean, owned the ranch in Vegas next to Wayne Newton. Yeah. Um, and I really quick went, I'm way out of my league yeah. on this one. And so it, at that point, it was like, I've got to educate myself quickly. Mm -hmm. And so I grabbed resources. I'm reading blogs. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm reading books. I'm interviewing real estate people, taking them out to lunch. Just teach me. Yeah. And and then I I had a I built a friendship with a commercial real estate guy and just said, mm -hmm. Hey, I need you to walk with us step by step through this. What are we not asking? Right. What do we not know? And um that was I, I can tell you that was so helpful and beneficial in that whole process. Yeah. Uh the other um person that I would say get on your team when things start to get uh serious is to have a commercial real estate attorney. So the money that we paid, um and, and we're talking thousands of dollars. So maybe like two to three, maybe $4,000 total that we did uh, for a couple of the different properties that we purchased saved us hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, and you yeah. say, oh, how is that possible? Well, the commercial real estate person, even if it's someone that you know is a friend, is in your church, or they're completely not, they still do represent one person. That's themselves. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they can get the deal done. And um, you know, they're they're not looking with that extra eye. And our commercial real estate person who I have use the same person uh, for all of our different different deals would look at it and find little things here and there that were tied back to city ordinances, whatever, and was able to, like I said, saved us tons and tons of headaches. And so 
in the beginning, you're like, oh man, we need every dollar because we're going to, you know, we need that $4,000 to put in the jungle gym for the kids or whatever it is. And you're thinking, oh, we can't spend it on that. It seems like such a waste. I am telling you, having professional legal to look over before you sign any sort of lease and definitely in purchasing a property, everything with environmental fact. I mean, there are just so many things that you can get you yourself can get, in get serious, trouble serious, serious trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, a couple of things, do your homework, mm-hmm. make sure you're setting yourself up financially way before even that day comes. Um, be, be ready to raise money. Um, do capital campaigns. Um, when did you guys do your first capital campaign, Danny? Uh, so I, on our first building that we bought the old Presbyterian church, um, I was scared to do a capital campaign. So we, we didn't, and we just, because we had saved money, we were able to use that. And then we went to Cornerstone fund, which is, um, for those that are part of Converge, it's the lending arm, if you will, of Converge, which we would not have gotten a loan. No bank would have let a bunch of ragamuffin, Young church. 20. I mean, we had, I mean, our income was, you know, not that great. And we were just a bunch of ragamuffins. So anyways, uh, thank, thank goodness. So we got that building, but for our second um, building, we had to do a campaign because of the amount of um, build out needed about $2 million in, in build out. And I was so scared uh, to, to do that, but it was the most amazing thing in the world. It was so much more about vision. Um, the, the congregation loved it. There was no arm twisting we did that. Um, I'm trying to remember because we had, uh, it was still even in, like we had a contract, but it wasn't closed yet because there was contingencies. We built a lot of contingencies. In other words, like we're not going to buy this unless, you know, the city removes the raise order. We raise the funds, we get the financing and we had it so that there were, we weren't all of a sudden just stuck owning a sure. building and that was actually a liability instead of an asset. So, oh, wow. um, one other thing, shoot, now I um, lost my train of thought on it. Well, so. while you think of that, yes. um, I would just say to our, our church plants out there specifically that are part of the Converge family, um, reach out to Cornerstone, um, Cornerstone Fund based in our Chicago office and um, engage them. They are more than happy to walk with you and help you know, hey, these are the things we're going to look for before you could ever get a loan. And so you can actually get ahead of the curve in the way that you do your accounting, your bookkeeping, and begin to know what they're going to be looking for. So that way you don't get slowed down in the process. Because I've seen churches go, hey, we're in a good financial spot. They come to try to get a loan and they they face questions that they don't even know how to answer. And it mm-hmm. delays the process. You could lose a deal yeah. just because of that delay. And so... Go ahead and do a little bit of that extra work ahead of time. And I know that they'll be more than happy to walk with you to help you know, hey, these are the things that we're going to be looking for. Make sure you're setting yourself up accordingly. Yeah. Okay. I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. With church planters, a lot of times they think that their goal is to own the building where a slight change in just understanding is really what you want is freedom and facility. So when you're renting in the beginning, you're like, well, we only get it for Sundays, whether that's a school or theater. Um, or you're renting from another church and you're thinking, man, if we owned a building at Salt, what you're really looking for is the freedom. So there are rental situations where you're not actually owning it, even when you're borrowing from another church, maybe they're on decline. Don't think in your mind that the goal is owning its freedom. So sometimes you can actually get that freedom without it being an extra cost or an extra responsibility because the great thing about freedom of use, so let's say you are, you're, you're, there's another church, they're kind of dwindling down, 
And you're like, well, if we own it, then we get to use it on Sunday at 10 a.m. You don't need to own it. Maybe you have a conversation and say, hey, can you switch your times? Hey, can you meet in the in the youth wing and we get to meet here? Or how about you know X, Y, and Z? And so you're trying to really just figure out how you have freedom of use, not how do you have the responsibility yeah. of paying a mortgage or something like that. Because then if you all grow it, then you don't even have to worry about selling it. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. no, that's that's wonderful. Good advice. Well, fun conversation, just talking about preparing yourself for that property, whether or not it be a lease, whether or not it's a, a purchase down the road. Um, I think the biggest thing is trust the Lord. Um, trust the Lord. He'll open the right doors at the right time. He'll also shut the doors when they need to be shut. And so don't force something that's that's not there. And thanks so much for tuning in. This has been the Unfiltered Podcast. Until next time, keep it real.